When you start helping somebody other than you, it changes some stuff. Four one joy cometh in the morning. Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the word. <laughs> Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And I want to talk to you today a few minutes from the subject, joy cometh in the morning. Now, we are so familiar with this Bible verse, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And oftentimes, this is kind of the way we have the things of God. That's not the verse. That's half of the verse. It's the half that we choose to take. And that's the second half. It's not even the first half. So oftentimes with the word of God, we like a cafeteria. We pick and choose that which we want to hear. Let me read you Psalms chapter 30, verse 5. This is the whole verse. You all said the whole verse. And there's a difference sometimes between the whole verse and the half we want to take. The whole verse says this, For his anger endureth but a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Those are essentially four parts of one verse. Part one says, for his anger endureth for a moment, and it relates to the weeping may endure for a night. The second part, in his favor is life, relates to, but joy cometh in the morning. We don't like to think about that God could get angry, but he does. It's just no two ways about it. He's a loving father. I had one of the best fathers in the world, but my daddy could get mad. Didn't he, mama? Oh, your daddy could get mad. So it's just like my heavenly father. And here David, the psalmist says, it says, for his anger endureth but a moment. But see, God's moment of anger can be rough. That's what the flood was about. He didn't get mad for a minute. But it wiped out all life on earth but eight souls. So even though he can be angry for a short period of time, that anger can be roughened. But it says, but his favor is life. And thus it is with the second half of this verse, the part that we choose to remember, the part that we choose to repeat so often, But weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. See, David, he penned these words because David had spent not just a night. David had spent a whole lot of nights weeping. It came from his indiscretions of where he saw a beautiful married woman. It wasn't just that he saw a woman, he saw a married woman, because when you really check the story, David had a whole lot of wives, 
And he had a whole lot of concubines. But what he saw was another woman that he couldn't have. How many of y'all got some anguish right now over something you can't have? Something you're not supposed to have. Something God has said, no, no, no. How many of you right now have got some tribulation over something that you can't have? You see, David saw a woman, even though he had wives and concubines. Some of y'all men are like, what? Yeah! He had wives and concubines. So he had all these women, and he's a king, so I can guarantee you they weren't ugly. Yeah, I just tell it like it is. Look, if you're the king, you ain't going to pick no ugly women. You're going to pick the best in the kingdom. So he had wives and concubines, but even with all of this, he still wasn't satisfied because he saw something else that he wanted. And he went and had an affair with a woman who was married then went and had her husband who was in the military brought home so he could sleep with the wife because he had gotten her pregnant and the husband refused to sleep with her because he was too honorable. He said, my men are out there in the field battling. I'm not going to sleep with this. You all know the story. And then he had Uriah move to the front of the line so he could be killed. So David had both adultery and murder. And from this union, there was a child. But the child got sick and the child died. And this is what David spent many nights weeping over because the child was near death. So this woman that he had fallen in love with, and you realize when you read the Bible, when you read the story, the only wife he talked about was the hoop was Bathsheba. The very one he couldn't have was the one that captured his heart. Why is life like that? You say, why is life like that? You know, sometimes the very food you like best is the very one you're not supposed to have. Why is life like that? Sometimes it's just like that. You know, it's just for whatever reason, sometimes life is just like that. So when David is talking about weeping for a night, this is what it was about. That's why he began that verse with, but God's anger. It's for but a moment because David knew he had messed up. And both of the sins that he did, adultery and murder, both of those by the law was punishable by death. Both of them. So here David should have been double dead. You know, some of us right now, we should have been double dead. That's just bottom line. From some of the stuff we have done, we should have been double dead. David, by the law, should have been double dead. So when he says God's favor, his mercy endureth forever, David understood he should have been double dead. But yet God still sent him through a period of weeping. A period of way he go through some cleansing and through some repenting. So here is the whole background behind that verse. For his anger endureth but a moment in his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. I went to see a lady yesterday. She's one of the greatest prophetess and just a tower of spiritual strength. But she's been having physical infirmities She's about 87 years old, so she's up there in age. She's in a chair. She can't move. And as I went to talk to her yesterday, she said, Nathaniel, folk just come to see me, and here I am infirm. Here I am in this chair. And she said, but the thing about it, when they come to see me, they don't come to pray for me. I'm sick. I'm in this chair. I can't get out. And she said, if folk come to see me day by day by day, but they don't come 
to pray for me, they come for me to pray for them. They walking in here strong. They just walking in here. And I'm sitting in the chair and I can't move. And they just walking in here strong. And they want me to pray for them. And she said, I just had to go to God about that thing because it was bothering me. All these folk coming to see me and they walking in here strong. And I'm sitting up here in the chair and I can't move. And they're coming in here for me to pray for them. And I just had to go to God about this. And this is what God told me. God told me they are coming to you not because of your body. They're coming to you because of the anointing. And the anointing has nothing to do with your body. And this is the part she told me that kind of got to me because I didn't expect her to say this. She said, Nathaniel, this is what God told me. They're coming to you because of the anointing. And God told her, but you're in that chair because of you. And I said, "Woo! I wasn't expecting to hear that, but it was the truth. And she began to tell me why she was in that chair. She said, I did something God told me not to do. Even though God was merciful, because I could have been dead, just like David could have been double dead. I could have been dead, but I did something. God told me just as plain, don't do this. Some of the stuff God has told you just as plain, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do that. But we end up doing it anyway because we are human. We are imperfect. We are of the flesh. And we just struggle. And we struggle with some stuff and we do some stuff knowing that God has told us don't do this thing. And we begin to rationalize it and all kind of stuff. And then before we know it, we end the night of weeping. Sometimes it's longer than a night. Sometimes it's a season. And some of this stuff, it's the rest of our days. So here, as I talked with her and I saw this thing, the anointing does not change, but even the priest and the preachers and the prophets and the evangelists, we sometimes suffer the pain of our own disobedience. See, David was a man after God's own heart. He was a chosen king. He had all this anointing over him. But yet, even in the midst of all of our anointing, it's a mess. And God can put the anointing on our mess. It doesn't change the mess of the flesh. So we got this mess sometimes that we deal with, and it causes us this weeping in the middle of the night. But I'm here to tell you, as David said, joy cometh in the morning. Well, what comes with the morning? The thing that comes with the morning is the sun. I'm not talking about the S-U-N, although the S-U-N does come with the morning, it's the S-O-N. And until we can get the S-O-N into our hearts, we continually weep. Now, even with the S-O-N, you still got to do right. Because even the S-O-N suffered some things and he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. This flesh is a mess. But people, I'm here to tell you the joy cometh in the morning. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, 13, it says a happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. Basically what it says is this. 
It says when you got joy in your heart, it shows on your face. Do you know that you can look at somebody and tell when they have joy? When you have joy in your heart, it shows on your face. When you have heartache and bitterness and resentment, there's something on your face that just don't look quite right. You know, you just look kind of mean and scrunched up and frowny and all that. And folk can see it. I was walking in the hall twice today and I passed by Suzanne. And she said, Pastor, every time I pass by you, I just laugh. There's something about passing by a person with joy. It's contagious. Suzanne laughed when she passed by me and I laughed when I passed by her. There's something about an inner spirit that when you are around joy, it brings you joy. And people, you need to watch who you're around. You don't need to be around these bitter, sour folk because it's something about it. It will take your spirit down just as quick as it can be. You don't need to be around these sour, lemony folk. Every time they talk to you, they got a problem, they got an issue. It's always negative. I can tell you, that stuff's going to weight you down. And it's going to have you where you will not have joy. You've got to understand that God wants his people to be full of joy. He doesn't want you depressed and down, but yet sometimes it's difficult because there's so much stuff in life. There was once in a rural town, there were these earthquakes that were starting and and the ground was just a trembling. And he looked at this lady sitting on the porch and she was just a smiling, just as happy. And they said, wait a minute, you feel all these tremors, all these earthquakes? Why are you not upset? Why are you not frowning? Why you don't look all nervous and fearful? And what she told him is this, I rejoice to know that I have a God who can shake the world. All depends on how you look at stuff. So when you're able to look and when you're able to understand that God is behind everything, it changes the joy in your life. It changes the way you view your problems and your situations. We think that we get joy if we get rid of all of our problems, and that's not the case. You're going to get joy when you start viewing your problems differently. No, you ain't going to get rid of them. Some of y'all had a person pop in your mind right then. If I can just get rid of them. If I can just get rid of them. Then my world. No, it will not. Because there's always a them. So know your world is not going to straighten out. If it's not one thing, it's going to be another. You've got to change some mentality. You've got to wake up with the S-O-N with a different kind of viewpoint about life. And if you go to bed tonight and wake up with that view in the morning, your joy will come in the morning. But it's not going to come if you wake up with the same spirit that you go to bed with. Some of us think that, well, if I can just get more stuff, I will have joy. Researchers have found almost no correlation between income levels and happiness. Between 1957 and 1990, incomes in the United States doubled. Yet at the same period, people's levels of happiness did not increase. In fact, reports of depression actually increased tenfold. Incidents of divorce, suicide, alcoholism, and drug abuse also rose dramatically. Money doubled. Depression went up tenfold. Divorce went up. Suicide went up. Alcoholism went up. Drug abuse went up. All this stuff went up. We got bigger. Yeah. Do you know that even depression causes you to gain weight? Absolutely it does. It creates a chemical called cortisol, causes you to gain weight. It Weight sticks to you more. When you're happy... 
your body changes. So we think that if we get this stuff, it'll change our joy. That is not going to happen. We've got to learn how to wake up in the morning with joy. A man filled up his car with gas at a gas station. And he drove about two miles further and he saw the same gas, 50 cent a gallon cheaper. And he said, oh my goodness. So I just filled up two miles back and he had the same gas, 50 cent cheaper per gallon. He said, oh my goodness, I feel like I put 14 gallons of gas in there. I could seven more dollars I could have taken that. And he was just a fussing because the gas was 50 cent cheap. And then he heard God speak to him. And God said, You have just sold your joy for $7. I want to ask you a question. What's the price of your joy? How much does it take to steal your joy? What's the price of your joy? What does it take for you to just get all mad? Some of y'all, all it takes is just for somebody to cut you off coming to church. And you sell your joy. For somebody just cutting you off on your way to church. Sometimes all it takes is for somebody to be sitting in your favorite seat in church. (laughs) And you sell your joy just because somebody is sitting. That's the price of your joy. Your joy ought not be that cheap. So you need to think about this thing. Every time something upsets you, think about what is the price of my joy? And are you giving somebody the currency to buy your joy? Because if they are making you upset, you have given them the currency to buy your joy. Some of our mentalities have to change if we want to have this joy in the morning. If we want to change from having a night of weeping and crying, and it's not just the night, because generally when you're crying in the night, you're crying in the day too. And this thing continues over and over. And when you look at the prescription drugs, the number one, the number two, and the number three drug, they're all based for depression relief. And depression relief is nothing more than not having joy. They have sold their joy for a cheap price. Man went to the store. He wanted to buy his wife a present. He was out of town. He said, I'm going to take her something back. So I'm going to get her some nice perfume. So he went to the store and he said, I want to get some perfume for my wife. Show me what you got. So he brought out a perfume. Perfume was $100. He said, no, no, no. Bring something back a little bit less expensive than that. So then the lady brought him back a perfume bottle for $50. He said, no, 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 no. You got to bring me something a little bit less expensive than that. So then the lady brought him back a perfume bottle for $15. And he said, mmm. I said, look, can you just show me something cheap? And then the lady brought him a mirror. (laughs) So how cheaply are you selling your joy? Don't be cheap. See, look, if something's going to buy my joy, it's going to be expensive. I'm not going to sell my joy for something cheap. If it's going to buy my joy, it's going to be well worth it. It's going to be somewhere people say, whoo, my goodness. Yeah, I can see why. I can see why he's so, I see now, yeah. And it can be no looks. If something's going to buy my joy, it's going to be expensive. So, and most of us are selling our joy for a bowl of beans. 
And we sell our joy for little of nothing. And when you realize the value of your joy, you won't look in the mirror and say, I'm cheap. Look, if you're going to buy my joy, devil, you're going to have to come up with a heap. It's going to be expensive for you to get this joy. You need to look in the mirror and say, hey, I ain't cheap. If you're going to buy my joy, you're going to be just by bankrupt trying to buy my joy. That's what you need to tell Satan. We don't need to be cheap where our joy is concerned. Even Elton Trueblood says this. He says, I don't trust the theology of any person who does not laugh. How can you be that close to God and you not have joy? There's something wrong with that kind of theology. There's something wrong with that kind of religion. And you all sour all of the time and all mealy mouth and all frowning up. It's something wrong with that. You ought to be full of joy. It's one of the fruit of the spirit. And you ought to have it in abundance. You ought to just be smiling and just happy. And you ought to be able to spread joy wherever you go. I don't just wait on opportunities. That's why I don't give a hoot about holidays. I just don't care about holidays. I'm going to be joyful 365 days a year. We just left Mexico and, and Pastor James was in charge of this trip. He had us go to a forest and it was an adventure park. We were there eight or nine hours and we went through about a dozen just zip lines and roller coasters and then we had ATVs we were riding through, jumping off of cliffs and all that kind of stuff. And when I left the park, it was a lot of adventure, but I thought about it. I said, it's just kind of, to me, feels like your everyday life. Because I drive a convertible every day. I said, and this zip line of flying through the air in the open sun with just the wind in your face, that just feels like my drive to church. <laughs> it really does. And for those of you who see me drive, I got my top down. It could be 100 degrees. I mean, I'm just as happy. I'm zipped. Lining through life. <laughs> I don't wait to get to an amusement park to get my joy. I'm amused every day. I'm amused where I go. I make it a point because my joy is not cheap. If you're going to buy my joy, it's going to just about bankrupt you. You hear see Elijah, and see Elijah laughs. He's identified by his laugh, and in his last message, which was talking about defusing anger, he says one of the things, if you just look at some funny stuff, and, and see Elijah said he was just watching his favorite series on TV. It was, I had to ask him, what's your favorite series? He said, sign for you. It doesn't matter what your favorite series is. The point is, sometimes whatever you need to do to laugh, you just do this. Because, see, my favorite series is actually the King of Queens. I like that program. I just do. It's about this delivery man. He delivers stuff all throughout New York. I just laugh. I don't sometimes I sit down and just watch the whole series. I just like the King of Queens. It doesn't matter what you like. Laugh. And learn how to find stuff that makes you laugh. See, Elijah has talked multiple times about the man who was sick, and he just went and he actually got a videos and just watched videos until he got well. His name was Norman Cousins. He had a form of crippling arthritis and his doctor had told him he would be dead in a few months and they told him look you need to figure out which position you want to stay in because this arthritis is so bad it will fuse your spine. So you can choose whether you lay down, sit up. He said I ain't gonna lay down, I ain't gonna sit up, I'm gonna stand up because I'm gonna beat this. Doctor says no way to beat it, there's no cure. He said I'm gonna beat this. So he understood the Bible verse 
that laughter doeth the body good like a medicine. And I want you to play video number three. This is Norman Cousins. Now, for those of you who are watching us by stream on YouTube, we have to cut out any copyrighted material, so your screen going to go blank for one minute. But I want you to go ahead and play this right now for the congregation. It's video number three. As for laughter, this is something that was not beyond my means. And at night, we showed some of the funniest films that we could rent. And I made the very interesting discovery that 10 minutes of good belly laughter would give me two hours of pain-free sleep. And I'd get rid of the painkillers, the codeine, the sleeping pills. They were giving me 36 aspirin a day. And I got rid of that and went with the things that I believed in. And as I say, I discovered that laughter did produce a natural body anesthesia. It was a very exhilarating discovery. I had a good doctor, a very good doctor, who recognized that, that unless the patient becomes engaged in his own cure, something serious, there's not That's too much he can do. Mm-hmm. This is Bill Hitzig, a great guy. And so far from holding me back, he encouraged me. I'd known him for a long time, and he had been exposed to some of my speculations on, mm-hmm. on life. Now, that's Norman Cousins. Actually, there's a longer segment that gives you a brief outline of the stuff. It's 11 minutes. You can go to coachb.tv forward slash laugh, and you'll see those 11 minutes. That's coachb.tv forward slash laugh, and you'll be able to watch that 11-minute documentary on how he was able to cure himself of a disease that doctors said could not be cured. Joy gets you healthy, but it keeps you healthy. And depression makes you sick. It's just as simple as that. Abraham Maslow, he's the second most famous person in psychology beyond Sigmund Freud. But Abraham Maslow once said, I have found that every person who was sincerely happy and radiantly alive was living for a purpose or a cause beyond themselves. This is a psychologist, not a preacher. He found that every person who was radiantly alive and truly happy was living for a cause beyond themselves. For those of you who are in the house of God, volunteer and do something. It takes you to another level. It takes you to another level. That's why most churches outside of the preacher and the minister of music, they don't pay anybody. Because when you get paid, it changes things. Now it's a job. You know what happens once you start getting paid? Your next level is what? More. Changes your mentality. So he says, look, volunteer. Have a cause that is beyond yourself. This is a psychologist. He is the second most famous psychologist in history. Every person he's ever examined or seen who's radiantly happy and alive is focused on a cause beyond themselves. They're never focused on money. They're focused on a cause beyond themselves. When you start helping somebody other than you, it changes some stuff. It changes some stuff. People, I want us to wake up in the morning. Joy, I want you to take as an acronym for joy, J-O-Y. Jesus is number one. When you focus on Jesus, you won't be depressed. O, others. When you focus on others, you won't be depressed. And why is you? Put yourself last. Jesus, others, and you. Most of us got that reversed. 
90% of our focus is just on me, what I want. I want to do what I want to do. I want to make sure I'm happy. I want to make sure I'm taken care of. I'm going to make sure I'm feeling good. I want to make sure I got plenty. 90% of our focus is on us. It's on the you. And then others get about 9% and Jesus get 1%. So we've got it totally backwards in terms of what brings us true joy. If we can make this change, don't sell your joy cheap. There are some things in life there's no price for. There's no price for my joy. That's why it would bankrupt the devil trying to get my joy, because there's no price for it. MasterCard used to have this commercial. Some things are priceless. For all other stuff, there's MasterCard. MasterCard can't buy my joy. It shouldn't be able to buy yours. And most of you, you're selling your joy way too cheap. You ought to wake up in the morning with a whole new attitude, with a whole new spirit. And you ought to wake up saying, I am going to be joyous today. And you have to do that every day because it's something to take your joy every single day. So you have to say, I am going to be joyous today. You have to say that every single day because there's something waiting outside your door to take your joy cheap. I'm through. Thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word. You can go and listen to this sermon absolutely free at brothersoftheword.com. I'm out of time. We're getting ready to dismiss because I'm going to be obedient. Thank you for joining us today, Brothers of the Word. You are dismissed. Amen. <laughs> you are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled Joy Cometh in the Morning by Nathaniel Bronner. This message is number 5841. That's 5841. To listen to over a thousand free messages or to send this message number 5841 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because, brother, you need the word. Oh, brothers of the world.